Hey guys, what's happening? This is Sharon Lee Zapata, hostess of the podcast that you're listening to, Middle Finger Happiness, Work Hard, Live Well, Don't Fuck With Me. It is the same title of a, of a book, one of the books that I have on Amazon. But more importantly, it is, um, it's, it's a mission. It's a mission statement. You know, it's the work hard, live well, don't fuck with me. I, I should probably write a book with that title. But um, the purpose of the podcast was to come out and tell my story um, and to also shed some light, some positive, disruptive, slightly irregular strategies on how to stop doing, you know, shit that doesn't matter, um, how to rebuild yourself, how to come back out of a crappy situation. So some of the podcasts that we have, yes, we've had some drunk ones and we're laughing, we're being silly as shit, but this podcast is for grown women and grown men. It really is not for children. I would definitely put earbuds in your, in your, in your ear. I wouldn't put it in the car and have the kiddos listening. Um, but it is a story, the story of the struggle, um, the bullshit, the, the situation, and then it's the comeback because we all have been there no matter who we are. No matter our backgrounds, the color of our skin, female, male, we have all been there, right? Uh, And so these are the stories that I hope to inspire you, to help you to get out of something that you're going through, to give you that hope, to give you that little strength, that little kick in the ass that you need. Uh, Because God knows I need a little kick in the ass almost every day because you know what? It's tough. It is tough being a human, but you know what? We're tougher. We're tougher. We're warriors and we are going to do whatever it takes to push the needle to get bigger and better and rebuild our lives. That is middle finger happiness. That is that fuck it moment where you're like, I've got to change. I've got to push forward. So this is my, I guess my proper introduction. I've never really done one. Uh, My podcast will be three years old this December, December the, I don't know, December, 2021 podcast will be three years old at 25,000 downloads. I know we grew a hundred percent in Israel. I know I'm in 16 countries. It's mind blowing. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who listens. And also guess what? No more commercials, no more sponsorships. We're just going to get to it. You know, um, I've heard, you know, you're not going to make any money. I'm not here to make any money on the podcast. I mean, yeah, if you go buy the book, that's great. That puts some money in my pocket. But in the long run, I just want to feed you some information, some time for yourself with these earbuds. We live in an earbud world and I hope and I, I, I want to reignite whatever has kind of smoldered down in you. I want to ignite that fire so you can go out and kick ass and take action and do the things that matter and be strong, right? And take care of the things you need to take care of and the people you love. All right, guys. So peace out, take care, and I'll see you. I'll see you in the middle finger happiness aisle. Hey, hey. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hey, I'm good. We're on. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, what a morning, dude. It's been an interesting day. Uh, yeah. In fact, just, just now I had another phone call. The meeting that I was going to have, my friend, uh, car accident, t- cars being towed. She's good. Little fender bender. I'm like, oh, my God, this day has just been like one situation after another. <laughs> anyway we're all good i'm so glad you're here thank you for being here um i I will do it a separate little intro but uh welcome to middle finger happiness beck lover from new york city 
How are you, dude? Hello, Sharon. One more time, dude. That's okay. Hello, Beck. <laughs> um, all the way from New York City, um, and I'm here in Houston. I just, I just want to say thanks for squeezing in some time. I know you had a, a challenging morning. Um, everything's okay. A little better. Yeah, we're we're hanging in there. Um, interesting things are going on. Uh, I have a confession to make. Um, I was actually born in Houston. What? Really? What hospital? Or St. Joseph's, right? <laughs> All I know is I'm from Spring. Wow, dude. Got what? an uncle that lives in the woodlands still. And uh, I haven't been to Houston. I was supposed to be in Houston over the summer. And I even booked a room at that beautiful hotel that has a pool that looks like the state of Texas. Yeah, it's downtown. It's the Marriott. It's the new Marriott. Um, yeah, I had a room there and I just got caught up in Dallas. Never made it. Ended up paying for two nights. Oh, no. Hey, I'm, oops. In over 20-something years. And I got to tell you something. I can't, say I, missed, I can't say I missed the place. With that weather you guys have down there, I mean, that humidity. Oh, shit. You know, we, we don't, don't live don't here. How the, how the fuck we do it? We don't live here for the weather. Um, we live here for the economy. I'll just put it that way. And for a lot of other things. But, yeah, the weather's brutal. It's like living inside of a steam room, literally. <laughs> well, today is front. You ready? I know you're up in New York. But we today it's like 63. And we're like, What? Oh, Put a amazing. sweat out. Yeah, it's nice. So it's, it's cooling off. It's finally cooling off. And then we'll, we'll have some crazy-ass shit. January of this year, we, we had snow. Everything froze. It died. I mean, it was crazy. I think we had two inches of snow. Yeah, I remember. So anyway, but yeah, Houston's big. It's uh, six million-plus people. But uh, I really, gosh, I'm just so honored um, and stoked that we connected. Um, I saw you on Instagram a while back, and I just love your whole vibe. And I'll say it. I love your your big voice and your big here I am world. And this is what's going on. And your last post, I just saw it. I'm like, oh, my God, we, we could talk some stuff today. So for those people who don't know you, uh, I always ask the magic question because this is all about you on this podcast. Middle finger happiness, work hard, live well, don't fuck with me. It is always the story of the struggle and the comeback like your platform, which is called um, the comeback team right and i love it i let everybody where can people follow you before we start talking so um the comebackteam.com is the website and my ig is the best place if you kind of want to keep tabs on me you just go to b like boy e like edward k like kimberly beck lover nyc you know like new york city beck lover nyc on instagram and you can check me out uh, my podcast we finished season one we're about to launch season two but obviously there's a lot going on oh yeah hey you're breaking up i don't know if you can hear me i'm in and out are you do you have uh, yeah. earbuds yeah, on I, you yeah i hear you, you heard I me hear you. yeah i hear you great okay so we'll just keep rolling um and again we're doing this on the phone versus in my studio so the magic question is who are you and what do you do and and man i, I the floor is yours dude um, first generation American. Um, my family started overseas and still what is one of the poorest areas of the 
Mm, I lost you again. There you go. Are you back? You're back. I think what's happening is the screensaver when the phone is locking. So let me just keep touching it this way it doesn't. Okay. So yeah, and we started in um, in Albania or what are known as the Albanian territories. Right. A very very tragic part of the world. Always conquered. Always invaded. Literally since the Roman times. And you know, when one invader came, then another invader came. So these people are very uh, battle-hardened. I like to call the Albanians basically the Afghanis of Europe, right? They're like the white Afghanis. Like these people have seen right. nothing but war and suffering and tragedy. Yes. Produced some of the greatest moments in history. So I come from a long, long battle, basically. And my bloodline is an interesting one. My mom's family, literally my great-great-grandfather is like literally the brave heart of Albania. His status in every corner of the country. What? What's his name? His name was Ali Ibra Nezai. He was the general of the Legion of Prizran. If you look it up, he can explain to you. He mm -hmm. commanded rebel armies that tried to fight for our freedom. Because again, we were never free. We were always being conquered. We were under and the... And why is why is that? I'm going to interrupt because we have friends that escaped too from the you know Serbian military and all that crap that happened in 1999. But why is it that that part of the world you think has had that? I that mean, so where World War One started, right? I mean, you had you know when the uh, the Prince of Austria was uh, assassinated, um, you know, in Bosnia it was in Sarajevo. It was done by a Serbian, right? So, I mean, literally led to World War One. It's just always been kind of like the crossroads of the world. It's like where East meets West. And, you know, that's the region of Alexander the Great. And it's always just mm -hmm. been a very strategic and important location, I guess, on the world stage. Mm -hmm. So, fortunate for my people, which is really a joke, they're in the middle of the crossroads, right? So, like, every time something pops off, we're right in the heart of it. So Right, right. I think that's kind of why it's always been like that. But in any in any event, you know, then you had World War One, World War Two. You had the forming of Yugoslavia after the you know Ottoman Empire collapsed. Basically, and, then, the and, and, and Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore. No, it does not. So what happened was after the Ottoman Empire collapsed around 1912, you know, 1909, the early 1900s, it started collapsing right after five, six hundred years of rule, and they basically carved up territories and made all these countries and, and basically Albania and that region got the short end of the deal where they literally divided the country into five different other countries. And as a matter of fact, if it wasn't for the United States of America, if it wasn't for Woodrow Wilson. We were breaking up again. Can you hear me? If it wasn't for Woodrow Wilson, Mm -hmm. The country of Albania would not exist today. So literally, Albania owes its existence to America. It's the most pro-American mm. country on earth. Make oh, the story wow. short, all those tragedies, communism came, uh, you know, Kosovo, which used to be northern Albania, was acquired by Serbia. Right. Led to a brutal regime later. I mean, Yugoslavia was okay, but then once this guy, Milosevic, came into power, he was the dictator of the 80s. He was called the Butcher of the Balkans. The mm -hmm. Yugoslavia fell apart as a country. They had the Civil War in Bosnia, you know, Croatia. So all these horrible conflicts happened. So my mom's side fought against the communists and totalitarianism in Albania. 
my grandfather was told by his father to go over the mountains because they were, you know, anti-communist guerrilla fighters, but they were outnumbered and overran. My mm -hmm. great-grandfather was thrown into a prison for 28 years, of which he survived. I don't know how the hell he survived that. I wow. never got to. <clears throat> and then my other cousins grew up in, in internment camps. They all survived. Uh, yeah. My father was in Kosovo, and when things started taking a turn for a worse in Yugoslavia, he decided to pursue the American dream, and he made it to America. His brother, luckily for us, was studying in Croatia, at the time and there was this nice wonderful beautiful american woman named diane who was studying there too my uncle met her because you know we're handsome motherfuckers <laughs> yes <laughs> sexy tall you know i'm six foot two we're fucking tall strapping balkan men and i guess you know one thing led to another they got married she brought him to america right right brought him to texas oh wow and then once he became a citizen, he made a, a, a application for my father. So literally, if it wasn't for that woman from America studying in Croatia, I wouldn't be alive right now. Dude, that that story is uh, I got goosebumps, and and I I had the I mean, you already probably know this, but for the listeners, and I always love to give that extra value to someone who's listening. That DNA, all the things you just listed. You know, all the, the struggles, the tragedies, the massacres, the, the communism, the fighting, the coming to America, the, the, new, the new things, embracing things, change, all that DNA is in you. And that is why you're such a badass. I, you know, people that have had the most struggles, you know, that show up there, you're, you're, you're like you're paving the way for positive shit after FUBAR. And you remember the word FUBAR, F-U-B-A-R. That's a World War II acronym for fucked up beyond all repair. So fucked up beyond all repair is like if a building blew up and they would like, okay, FUBAR, it's done. But you're one of those people. So that's what attracted me to you on, on, on social media. I was just like, oh my God, I'm eating this up with a big spoon, everything that you're, you're writing. Um, so what's your, what's your number one message right now? I want to put a spotlight on your podcast because you have some interesting guests, like all kinds of guests. I was listening to your podcast last night and again, early this morning. And uh, I was like Alice in Wonderland in the rabbit hole going down all your podcast episodes. Um, what led you to start the podcast, your podcast? Okay. Before I answer that, I kind of want to hit, you said something that's extremely important. It's funny because <laughs> I, I was thinking about this all day yesterday, about how I need to make a small little clip, you know, because I, I try to, and that's what my podcast, you know, it also related to what you asked is, is about not giving up. Right. People have been through so much in life. So many people have suffered. They've been through tragedies. They've, you know, been knocked out. Forget fucking, you know, life will knock you down. Forget knock. There's something called a knockout. Mm -hmm. Life just hits you so hard that you literally are stunned sometimes beyond being able to even get back up. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. What you mentioned before about in your DNA and having these warriors and stuff like that. You're absolutely correct. I, I, I just, you know, anyone that's listening to this and you're going through a hard time, you know, money's not right. You're scared. Listen, we're all scared right now. Anyone that's going to sit here and tell you they're not scared right now is either stupid, which I think a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people are right now. <laughs> yeah. But they're just in denial, right? Because it's scary out there right now. Yeah, it is. On everything that could possibly be happening. You know, we're not here to get into any of that stuff, but it's normal to be nervous 
and upset and sad and, and horrible things happen to us. People die. We go through these events that just literally shake us to our core beyond the point of us even recognizing ourselves when we look in the mirror. We don't even know who we're looking at anymore because we've lost our way because life can do that. And life does do that. So when you mentioned you have these survivors in you, these warriors, this DNA, that's the whole point, man. Mm-hmm. There was a whole chain of people going back. That means you're from the first human beings, right? The fact that, because we all have, you know, they've done studies on this. We all have common ancestors. That's a fact. Right. That's a fact. You know, we're off against theology here, but just from a scientific analysis yeah. like yeah human beings probably had one common ancestor like it's it's a fact like we don't have to get into adam and eve and all that stuff because right but fact. the dna yeah the cro-magnon and the caveman uh, yeah, i just stats absolutely it is so the fact that you are here alive right now means a lot of badass motherfuckers <laughs> before you some of them may have been cowards too let's be real i think that gene survives also right there's other ways to survive you can be a coward and just submit and whatever so i bloodlines in this Of, uh, of people on this earth, in my opinion, cowards and warriors, right? Mm-hmm. You have to do oh, whatever absolutely. They can. Yeah, they do whatever they can to survive, kind of like parasites, lead the way and fight for the righteous and light and all that, but forget all that. So the point is this, you are here today because everyone before you refused to give up, refused to let whatever happened to them destroy them. However they dealt with it, they dealt. Maybe some of them were cowards. Maybe some of them were warriors. But whatever happened, happened so that you could be here right now. And as bad as your life is, all these people. You're breaking up, dude. Can you hear me, Beck? I may have to re. We're gonna have to reconnect, guys. Someone called me, and I have it on Do Not Disturb. I don't know why the call. That's okay. You know, when we roll this, it's gonna be so seamless. But you left off with all the people before us yeah. with their DNA and their being yeah. a warrior. Yeah. yeah. So all these people suffered, struggled, cried, went through nightmares i mean imagine generations that went to world war one and the wars before that and the barbarians and the, like all this crazy right. shit that's happened your ancestors had to deal with that the black death which they had no idea what the fuck was happening right it was coming from from rats right mm-hmm. i mean imagine just being alive during those times and what these people went through and really until the potato was discovered in north america like people starve half the time. Like like I, that that one vegetable was so important to humanity's existence. Right? Was the was the papa the potato? We say that. In yeah, Spanish. it changed everything. Yeah, everything. It literally extended our lifespan. Like that that stupid French fry that you look at when you hold when you hold a French fry <laughs> in your hands, you're like you this is war. It, you should be like thank you. I know that you're bad for me, but you sit like you're the reason I'm alive right now. Probably, and you know, on top of that, the DNA of being a warrior and getting through things. Then there was the personal stuff, you know, uh, uh, child abuse, a uh, spousal abuse, uh, oh. mental abuse, drinking, alcohol, drugs. I mean, you just add it onto layers and layers. And then you, like you said, you, you're here, you know, your attendance on this, in this world is nothing more or less than what sets you on fire. And I can tell what sets you on fire is you want to give people hope to not give up because we can't, you know, giving up is not an option. They just, you just can't do that. Yeah, I know. 
Hell no. And being in, yeah. We've all, we've all had, you know, uh, we've all had maybe that thought pop in for a second, like, man, fuck life. Like, fuck, man. Like, what's the point? You know, that's the most dangerous fucking oh, yeah. three. For me, for me, and those words come in a lot, even now. Even oh, now. Dude, me too. And my friend like, thinks I'm crazy. Well, it's point? not even like, there. Those are very very dangerous words to, to allow to creep into your mind oh, when you start you to, to lose stop. you have to stop it, yeah when you start to lose you know when you start to allow those words to enter your mind like what's the point it's a toxin it, it's it will kill you those words will lead to your death and any and, and and more than one way not just i'm not talking about like god forbid you take your own life or or you know you drink you know you drink yourself to death because of depression but what's the point will destroy you in every capacity Mm. How to work to relationships to business. We say, well, what's the point? It always ends bad. Or what's the point of doing this? Because who cares? I'm going to die anyway. What's mm-hmm. the point? If humanity chose those three words, what's the point? I wouldn't be talking to you right now on this phone. There would have yeah. been no point to create would... what created. Yeah. The other thing that goes through my mind, and I'm really being vulnerable here. I'm, I'll be like doing my thing, and I'm like, you know what? Today is a good day to die. I'm done. I'm doing the things that I want to do. I talk to the people I love. And so I'm not scared to die. And that little voice comes to my head. I don't know where it comes from. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Today's a good day if you died because I have no regrets. Um, I used to. So do you have any advice for people who, who maybe live with regret? I think as we get older, we've learned to come to terms with it. But someone who's younger, who's like me, you don't know my life. You know, what advice would you give them? You know, sorrow comes from regret in my opinion. And again, I'm not, I'm no shrink here, but it's funny because once in a while shrinks call me and like, Oh, what should I, I'm like, I'm not a shrink. Why are you calling? <laughs> Cause you're but, badass. So, you know, for me, sorrow, when I look at my own, you know, I guess, again, I'm using myself here as a, as a guinea pig. A lot of my sorrow came from regret. So the reason sorrow comes from regret, in my opinion, is because, Regret comes from something you can't change. So if you're focusing on something that you can't change and it's just haunting you, right? This is going to create a lot of sorrow. And sorrow can overwhelm a person to the point where they take their own life. It's a very dangerous pattern, right? It so is. So if I regret, you know, for example, for me, my sorrow, my last really major, you know, event that created sorrow in my life and there was a lot of grief and regret was when I lost my brother. And, mm. you know, not to get into it too personally, because I don't really talk about the details of that night, but but to make the story short, and, and, and I'm releasing some info here that I've never released before about that event, um, was that he had called me to come out that night, and I didn't go out with him, and I feel like if I would have went out that night, things might have turned out differently, right? Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I blamed myself. I blamed myself for a very long time, that you know it's my fault that he died and that regret led to extreme grief and sorrow and that sorrow just kept intoxicating my life like literally for three years life was black non-existent i was one of the most you know popular guys on the nightlife scene i'm very well known in new york city it's very hard for me to literally walk down the block without being greeted by at least at least two people, which, you know, in a city of 8 million, and mm-hmm. nine, like, you know, it's not like there's not like there's a lot of people in New York City. So 
So I'm not saying that to be cool. Sure, like this, I'm that's my city, right? Like it's my city. Yeah. I love it. And pe- people I'm, know you. And they know me, yo, Beck Lover. You know, I hear it all the time. So for me to go from front and center in the limelight, always out, always involved, a loud personality to when when my brother died, I lost my fucking mind. I disappeared. People thought I died. No one knew what happened to me. Oh, wow. I stopped. I just stopped. I literally was Like you just in... out. You're just MIA. Yeah, I was gone. I, I was so numb. You know, what's the point? I had taken over my life. What's the fucking point? You see, he's dead. You're going to die. It's all over. What the fuck? Who cares? Whether it's today mm-hmm. or now. You see it all ends. It's all because, he, you know, as large as I was, you know, larger than life, he was huger than life. Like this guy, you know, I thought I knew people. I mean, he's the reason I am who I am. Wow. He was the one that brought me into that world, introduced me to so many people that I never would have met, gave me experiences that I would have never had, took me to places that even to this day I haven't been able to go do the way I did it with him. You know, it took me all over the world, this guy. Wow. So, you know, the bond there was every day we were on the phone. If we weren't together, we were on the phone all day. He only lived two miles away from me. You know, we were two crazy motherfuckers. New York hmm. City legends. And he's just gone overnight. And and for me, you know, every day I had to drive past where he died. You know, he died right in front of my house, literally. So, you know, and, you know, just so you know, Sharon, I was so overwhelmed with sorrow because every corner was a rem- like you know every little corner reminded you of him was a memory right oh. a flash and i felt like i was fucking trapped and i felt like anywhere i looked like i was literally crying everywhere man you're I making sh- yeah you're making me cry over here on this side oh my god i remember God's- one time <sighs> you know <clears throat> he liked to go to this place called papayas right Mm-hmm. And papayas is like a hot dog place you know new yorkers are very familiar with it like you know they're not the greatest hot dogs in the world all right no i used to live in dc yeah you get the five dollar hot dog a bag of fritos and a coke yeah, yeah. and a coke like, like <laughs> a new york spot you know you go if you're <laughs> and that was his fucking place like three out of five times we went out he'd make me fucking take him there so we go there whatever so i go back you know someone's like oh i want to go there you know and i had avoided the place you know what i mean mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, my last memory of going out with him was ending the night there. And he was pissed off. And he's like, you motherfucker, take me. Like, he was going crazy. Like, take me to fucking papaya. I'm like, all right, bro, we're going to go to fucking papaya. It's like 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, we're going to fucking papayas, you know? And I go to this place maybe a year, maybe even two years. I think it was two years after he passed. And I go in there with, you know, some people. We all were, you know, related to him and, and loved him. And we go there. And, man, we order these fucking hot dogs. And all of a sudden, his fucking favorite song comes on. Uh-oh, what song was that? <laughs> he loved that song, Toto, Africa. Oh, yeah. But but he liked the remix. There's a remix with Jay-Z. If you go on Google, actually, it's a really awesome song. If you if you go to YouTube and you type in Toto versus Jay-Z, that was yeah. his song. And then, and, and then Weezer did it again just recently. Yeah, amazing remix. So I'm eating this fucking hot dog, Sharon, and I literally almost choke. I start crying. I literally almost choked on the hot dog. Wait a minute. So the song's playing while you're eating the hot dog? It starts playing as soon as I, I take my first bite. And uh, I literally, oh. literally almost choked. Like I had to like 
Dude, Hawk that up. was him. That was him being there. I really believe that. So I haven't been back to a papaya since. Oh. And it's been now, you know, this will be eight years next month that he passed away. But 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 the point here is, you know, Texas, right? I was so consumed by everything that had happened to me, the sorrow that I was living in, that my next plan was, well, if I'm reminded of him everywhere I am, <clears throat> then maybe I need to get the fuck out of here. So I made a plan to move to Texas. Right. And about five years ago, I drove to San Antonio. Yay. And I ended up spending about a couple of months down there, almost like six months down there. And I was trying to make it happen. And the only reason I didn't stay wasn't because I didn't want to stay. It's just that the business didn't work out. And I was having a really hard time adjusting down there. And as much as I was a Texan at heart, they, all they ever saw was a New Yorker and all they ever heard was a New Yorker. And I was having a hard time making a living down there sales-wise. I guess they just weren't trusting me enough. Mm-hmm. Like, that's another Texan, you know what I mean? Even though Dude. I was from... But, you know, and Houston's not like that. Houston's so international. Like, you hear Russian, you hear you hear German, you hear Spanish, you hear French, English. So, you know, I'm down there, and I hadn't moved my family down yet. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, dude, you know, I'm still feeling the same way, right? I'm mm. out of New York, but I'm still feeling the sorrow, the grief. I'm still crying like a motherfucker, right? Mm, right, right. I said you can't run away from your problems, man. There's, you can't run away. You, you're going to have to turn around and you're going to have to fight, man. You're going to have to conquer this. And you coming down here didn't fix that. You know, so I went back to New York and, you know, a lot of prayer and a lot of stuff like that. And, you know, basically just realizing that, you know, what the fuck, man, you're going to die anyway. You know, why not go out swinging? You've always been a warrior. What the fuck is, you know, what's wrong? Right, right. Basically, that self-talk of, yo, you can, and I literally, literally would tell myself the entire time, right? There was this voice deep down inside. It was very faint at one point, almost, you know, non-existent. But there was this little voice in me that always just said, don't give up. Don't give up. You can get through this. Well, all our... All your thoughts are energy because we're, you know, we're, we're all made of energy. So that's that little energy was still in you. And even though I would say these things to myself, I didn't, you know, I didn't even believe it. Right. Because the way I felt, I felt like there was no coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, the equivalent of drowning. Right. Like I just literally felt like I was drowning. But there was this voice always inside. You'll get through this. Don't get, like and I would tell myself. So I would start listening to like Les Brown. Right? Oh yeah, I love him. Yeah. Pumping it into my brain, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to program myself, listening to him say, you know, you know, you can get back up, and you are not a victim of, you know, you know, all these motivational people out there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're giving and and just really pumping that positivity into my mind, like, you know, and I would cry listening to that shit. You know, especially the ones on YouTube where they mix them up and they put the fucking music. Yes, dude, I I'll, I have to do that. I We have to reprogram ourselves. And there's a quotable. I have a, a Sharpie, not a Sharpie. What do you call those markers? The dry markers. And, and they're in my bathroom. When I think of something, I write it real quick. But there's one that says, every time you are tempted to react in the same old way, ask if you want to be a prisoner of the past or a pioneer of the future. I don't know who wrote that. I heard it and I wish I'd give the person credit, but 
yeah, we, we have to. And that's the hardest thing because when you're in that dark place, you know, you had, you, you did self-repair. You did self-repair is what you did. And let me tell you, when I look back now <clears throat> and we're entering year eight of his loss, <clears throat> I look back now. And of course, besides losing him, the greatest regret that I have is those three years where I stayed upstairs in my room, disconnected from the world, literally rotting inside of this attic, which, you know, it's a finished attic. With, it's like a man cave, right? Mm-hmm. I literally would play Xbox. I haven't played video games since, right? I bought an Xbox just so my mind wouldn't deteriorate completely. So I would literally just sit there all day playing video games, which was something I never did, never, never wanted to do. Never gave a fuck about because I've always loved life. Like, I don't understand people that are so into the digital world. There's this amazing world out there. Right. You, go, you meet people. Like, for me, I've, like, the number one reason I've loved going out was never to chase women. Although that was a big part of it when I was younger. I'm not going to lie. You know, it was a little <laughs> bit of a, of a, you know, I was a bad boy. Let's just put it that way. But ah, you're young. You know, when I when I when I analyze why do I know so many people? How do I became friends with all these celebrities and high profile people? And it's because I just love people, man. For me, connecting with people in the real world is such a magical thing. Yeah, you meet a lot of fucking assholes and fake people and scumbags, but it's like anything else in life. We filter through all that till we get to the gold and just to right. Connect with people, man, and then it, and then it becomes even crazier. You start, you know, the more people you know, then you start seeing these circles and these patterns, and right, you, start, you know him and I know him, and how to, and it's just fucking insane. You're like it connecting the dots. I still, I still say your DNA was at that that point was the right center of your heart, your heart light, your light heart, whatever you want to call it. It was so it's in there, it's embedded code, and you cannot run away from it. And so, um. Man, that's an amazing story. Oh, it's amazing. So I hope this helps somebody who's going through a bad time because, you know, right now, well, I'll bring it up with the COVID people. We've lost family members. People are losing family members for the, I'm calling it the pandemic because I got my own viewpoint of the whole shit. But well, did you today's articles? Yes, I read the one you posted. And it's like, there's. Right. I mean, uh... how many times do you want to get slapped in the face before you got a question? Your family died. Yeah. For you to just let it go at that. You know, would you like if you found your loved one dead in the house, would you not want to know how or why? Would you not want to check and make sure there wasn't foul play? Like, I don't understand people. We've lost millions of people. Mm -hmm. If you lost family to suicide during this time period, your family was, uh, uh, you know, I lost uh, people. I've lost about five people to suicide because of this. You know, mm -hmm. some of them are families, but some of them were some really good fucking. Yeah, they're like family friends. Yeah. Not everybody is strong told me that this this person would have took their own life right mm -hmm. i would have never in a million years ever suspected that this person who had everything you know if you looked at his social media every day the way he posted he would look so happy his family was beautiful you know married to a supermodel right i mean this guy had everything right wow and every time I met him, just such a happy, warm, welcoming person. A lot of my family members were friends with this person, always over his house. Every weekend had guests over. If you would have told me that this person would have took their own life, 
I would have bet my own life that that would never would have happened, right? And, and it's always the people like that that are shiny stars. They're little. They're there to help everybody feel good. You know, look at Robin Williams. So look that's at, yeah, uh, that's yeah. Thing. Like you never know what people are really going through in their minds, and you really gotta like these are the times where you gotta check on your neighbors, you gotta check on your family, you gotta be the bigger person. This is the time to be the bigger person. This is the time to find that courage. You don't think people go back, oh, you're just courageous because you're six foot two, 300 pounds. I go, dude, let me tell you something, man. I can't tell you how many times I've been terrified in my life. I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I've been scared. Even now, when I've stood on the corners of schools fighting for my children to not have to wear a mask because logically it makes no fucking sense. And I'm going to to the end for that, right? And I'm there against 300 parents that won't even stand with me, right? No, they're but scared. Oh, what I'm fighting for is right. I don't give a fuck. I'm so right kind of- now in New York, the kids have to wear masks. Is it mandated? I or video of my wife took yesterday of our kid in a fucking class, gym class, with a mask on while the gym teacher himself does not have the mask on. I still haven't figured out what I'm going to do with this video yet, but I'm about at the fucking point of explosion here, right? So getting back to courage. If you think that the most courageous people in the world weren't terrified deep down inside, then you don't know nothing about courage. If you don't think Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, who knew he was going to die, that guy knew he was his days were numbered, but mm-hmm. he still did what he was supposed to do, right? What he believed was the right thing to do, and it was the right thing to do. So... If you don't think that that kept him up at night, that he knew his days were numbered, that he was, these people were all scared deep down. Courage is not that you don't have fear. Courage is not a lack of fear. Courage is acting even when you are scared because you know it's right, because you believe it to be the truth. That is courage. And that's the problem that we lack today in America. People know what's right right now, but Mm -hmm. they don't convenience. They're scared of what their peers think. There is no comfortable way out of the situation that we are in right now. There is absolutely no easy way out. The only way out of this is through some serious pain as a nation. And most of us are not prepared for the pain. No, we're soft. There's a lot. I'd say a lot of soft people. I mean, uh, yeah, fucking soft. Softies. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is why it's perpetuating that this this situation continues to go on, even when facts and things that were considered conspiracies, you know, two years ago today are coming out to be the truth. People should be pissed. People should be angry. And anger is not a healthy emotion. But there are a few times in life where it's necessary and it can be extremely healthy. When change needs to be made and mm-hmm. it, targeted towards the right target see anger that's just anger you take it out in society no no anger towards those who are given trust that abuse those trust abuse those but you know having anger because your family may have been killed in an accidental or i think <laughs> more and more starting to look like maybe on purpose uh bioweapon right so if that's the case you should be fucking pissed your family was killed either by stupidity you know, why are we playing around with these fucking things? Just because we can make a nuclear weapon doesn't mean we should have, right? Like, right. like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I don't think these people give a fuck, right? So, you know, either way, we should be enraged. There needs to be a massive change. These programs, you put to bed forever. 
there's no reason to ever have a bioweapon ever created ever again. Like if, if any country's ever caught even making one, they should be blown to fucking pieces. Like this right, is, yeah. And this, you know what? I agree with you. And there's people that would get pissed off for us to agree with that. But you know what? That's that's what has to be done. People didn't lose any family to coronavirus. Maybe they didn't lose their businesses and have people jump off buildings like I did. So if they're listening, I just want to say fuck you. That's all. And uh, then you- you should, you know what? I did a podcast uh, the other day by myself, a 10 mile bike run. Um, I haven't put it out there. I have, it's out. It's out. It's just me talking and I'm, I'm just telling it like it is. And I told people in the podcast, if you don't want to listen, you don't want to follow me. Fine. Fuck you. I'm, this is my voice. This is my platform. And I'm tired of the shit that I'm seeing. Um, you know, like I said, with the, the mask with the kids, but yet there's no mask for these people at the parties. I saw the the, the, I, mean, these, the I mean, how many times you're gonna get slapped in the fucking face? The people that are making the rule yeah. are not following the rule. And your kid who's not even as vulnerable as that, like these people are in like the supposedly, right? Right. OC and all these politicians. There's the they're in the, the highest percentile of danger to this virus, right? Right. Based on their own, you know, rules and science and all that bullshit. The elderly are the ones that are the ones dying, right? These motherfuckers are in their 80s, right? And they're not, like, you think they'd be the first people to put their mask on. You think they'd be terrified even with a mask on, right? Yeah, and they're not. They're going to parties and they're posting they're partying, it. They're dancing and Barack Obama's going fucking crazy, by the way. Voted for the fucking guy, right? So, for me, you know, our country's fucked. Seriously, there's no weird. There is no good choice here. There is no good party, you know. And not right now. It's a mess. It is. Well, uh, they're all on the same team, and I think the sooner people realize that that they're all on the same team, they put on this show. You know, I, I'm not going to mention which country I was in, and you know, obviously, it's one of the few that I've mentioned. And I see the fucking prime minister because you know I'm American. I got money. I'm at the most expensive places in those countries, which are a lot cheaper than here. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm having lunch. Sure enough, the fucking prime minister comes in on a helicopter, sits down at a table with his arch nemesis. Like, if you see them on TV, you would think these two motherfuckers want to kill each other, right? Wow. They're sitting at the table. Okay, this is a true story. This is about, I don't know, seven years ago. They're at a table drinking bottle of wine after wine after wine. They're laughing. They're giggling. They're shitting. I'm like, these two motherfuckers on TV, you would think they want to fucking kill each other. And I'm like, don't people see this? This is what happens in America. They're on the stage. They put on this show. They act like they're fighting. Meanwhile, behind the door, they're all doing backdoor deals, briefcases under the table. And me and you are the ones paying the fucking price right now. Yeah, that's a word in in Spanish. It's called palanca. Palanca means under the table. And so, of course, all that shit's under the table. You know, and and, and for me here, my my family here in Texas, you know, my my husband, we're very pro-gun. We actually go to the shooting range. Our 13-year-old, we have guns in our house. He knows to respect a gun god forbid somebody comes he knows what to do i know what to do we there's a shortage of bullets believe it or not there is a shortage of ammunition in texas so every time academy has bullets we go we we stock up and i'm thinking have we gotten to those times where i need to stock up like militia yeah i got prepared long before the coronavirus thing got two years before it i just my gut was telling me something's wrong this country is going to collapse I was very worried. So I started getting shipments to my house. My wife's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what the fuck is this? And why the fuck do you have that? And what the fuck? This is crazy. Like, yeah. why, why do you have a book bag that's a hospital? It costs $1,000. Well, 
Why do you have fucking iodine tablets? Why do you have all these biohazards? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what the fuck? Oh, your is- black, oh, your black bag. Do you have the the go to the black backpack? I had everything right. So she's yeah. like, now, she was like, you were right about everything. My wife's from Eastern Europe, right? She's from Albania. You were right about everything. Oh wow, dude, that's your DNA. When you said you had that voice talking in your head again, it's your ancestors. I don't understand you, but you are. <laughs> You are crazy. You are so smart, my husband. Yeah, so, it's called being prepared because you know what? We we just got to take care of our families, uh, set an example. One of the things that that I see and I don't like it is my son. My son's 13, my youngest. He has a couple of friends that poor kids. And, and this had something to do with what you spoke of earlier, going through the uncertainty. It's affecting everybody. It's affecting kids. Some of his classmates have anxiety so bad. Of course they, they do. Uh, course and these they, were little healthy kids that used to throw the football, shoot Nerf guns, chase each other, ride bikes. Now they're quiet. They got a mask on. And disturbing, man. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. They have to go to therapy now because they're uh, something that I'm going to bring up. And I have to bring it up is one of my son's homeroom classrooms. His teacher makes them watch 10 minutes every morning of CNN. And I'm like, what the, what the fuck? What, what? And Nicholas, I mean, not Nicholas, my other son, uh, Zach's like, you know, mom, I don't pay attention to that shit. I know better, but I have classmates there. There's tears running down their eyes while the f- news is on. And I'm like, Can some, I, I'm going to go talk to the principal. That's bullshit. Yeah, that is bullshit. It should be escaping the world. Not, not, not bringing but, it into the classroom. Exactly. It should be in that little bubble there where they're protected. Their minds can start, you know, getting stronger so they can handle that kind of shit. And learn, right? So, um, yeah, and that's what, and I was going to take my kid out of school, but he's like, look, mom, I love my science teacher. I love my history teacher. I love my writing. You know, I don't want to leave. If it's just that one class, it's okay. I can handle it. But that's him. Not everybody's him. You know, so, uh, anyway, I um, want to ask you the, the, the question. This is going to be a little silly question because this is the same question that I asked Lou Ferrigno, you know, Lou Ferrigno, the original Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. I got to interview him a long time ago. He was my first interview and I was so nervous and all these reporters were asking something and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to ask something so different. So I'm going to ask you the same question. I asked him what's on your nightstand at night next to your bed. (laughs) If my family's out of town, a Glock. Yes. I was at your Glock. Okay. If my family's out of town, but they're usually not. So they, they go away sometimes, you know, to, to visit family overseas. Um, but when they are not, then it's just uh, always a, 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 a bottle of water. Unfortunately, you know, I snore a lot. I, I'm a little, you know, gained a little bit of weight and uh, I choke. So I have a bottle of water always next to me, uh, my phone charging. But yeah, for some reason, it's weird, I guess. I don't know why I feel safer when like my wife and kids are home. Like it should be the other way around, but but when they're not home for some reason I get like a little paranoid. So I just Aww. it's so quiet. So I'm like, fuck that. And I get yeah. creeped. But, you get creeped out. You like to hear the noise of everybody everybody getting on my nerves, but I love it. <laughs> but you know, the eeriness that was produced, you know, as a result. Like I live in the most densely populated part of the country, right? And to just hear the silence every morning and 
you know, those last two years when it was even quieter, it was just fucking disturbing. And to hear crickets in New York City for the first time, literally hear crickets, which you would never hear in Manhattan, ever. Yeah. It's just fucking crazy. But, you know, and then to, to answer that question, because I never really answered it for you, but, you know, after getting back up, you know, you know, I, I traveled a lot. When, when, when my brother passed away, I felt like traveling and just, you know, it, I think my epiphany happened when I was in Istanbul, Turkey. I was in Istanbul, and anybody that knows it, like, that's a fucking crazy city, right? Like, that place is old. Like, crazy, like how? Like, drugs, war, no, I mean. It's just packed, right? Like, it's just, there's traffic everywhere. There's old meets new, like, cold. Like, it's just an insane fucking city. Like, you have to go visit that place. Like, that place okay. is insane, right? And I'm sitting at this restaurant in in uh in istanbul and i'm waiting for them to make me some burek which i love and i'm by the uh i'm not too far from the sultan's palace you know like the tourist areas i'm just seeing all these people just walking and smiling and laughing and you know they're just going on with life and i had by this time i had gone to like five or six places already and I'm just sitting there, and everywhere I went, I just observed that like life was going on all over the world. People were living their lives, and these people have been through things that you've been through. And look at them, like you have to get back up. What the fuck are you doing? You're wasting this gift. This mm. is a, yes, you feel horrible, but look at these people. Everywhere you go, they're living, you know, live again. Like you know, so traveling also helped me heal. You know, there's a there's a special thing that happens when you travel, especially when you travel by yourself. You become very humble when you're, when you're in a foreign land and you know nobody and no one knows you and you walk and you don't really know where you're going and there's a little bit of that element of danger and that you actually rely on people and the mm-hmm. good, you start to realize that there are a lot of good people all over the world, right? There are. They're part of this human family and you know, you're blessed to even have this opportunity, right? There's people, most people never leave their own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to have the ability to travel, and I'll say it to anybody, you're going through a hard time, get out of the environment, you're in detach, even if it's temporary, go take a trip, go somewhere where you can be alone and think and, 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 and be around other people and, you know, just a different experience than what you're in. I would have to say travel played a big part in, in helping me heal. And then and, did you, when you traveled, did you meet people that kind of like opened up and were like, tell you what they were going through? And then there's a connection. I mean, I met a lot of people and, you know, I don't recall any conversations per se where, you know, I even spoke about what would happen and what, or what I was going through, but it was just nice to like talk to them, them not know who I am back in New York and just talk about life and they would be funny and just have like a, like a conversation, like, like being in solitude for too long when you're sad is very dangerous. Like that is not. No, right. no that's a dark place. That's right? not a good place. And I knew you know, I knew that, you know, I, I, I would say the only time I stayed alone was initially when that whole thing happened. Right. And, you know, after a while I, I knew I was smart enough to know that staying alone was only going to deteriorate me more. It, w- it would probably lead to my death. Right. Me staying isolated and away from everyone, you know, because, you know, people don't want people to feel sorry for them, right? Most normal people, we no. go through a thing. We don't want people to feel bad for us. So we're embarrassed. 
that we're in this shape. But see, that's what leads to death, I think. That's what leads to your destruction. There's nothing wrong with telling people you're not doing good. You need help. You need friends. You need people around you. Staying in isolation will lead to your death. If you are listening to me right now and you are going through a hard time, you cannot do this alone. Whether it's traveling, you know, you know also what would help me heal? It was a few things. It wasn't just one thing, right? Because when you get knocked out, it's almost like you die, but you're still alive. Right. You've you're, lost- you're, you're numb. You're, you're, you're just existing. You're an Easter bunny chocolate is what you are. You look okay on the outside, but inside you're fucking hollow. You're, mm-hmm. you're not. Nothing left there. Everything that was in there is wiped out because of the trauma that you just went through. Whether someone died, you were raped, God forbid. Whatever the fuck you went through, okay? It literally hollowed you. So, yeah, you have a shell. Everyone sees you. You're walking. You're breathing. You're talking. But inside is chaos. Inside is war. Inside of you is suffering and darkness and tragedy, Right? So mm-hmm. now you got to fill that motherfucker back up, right? So for me, it was a combination of all these things. And one thing that really helped me, and I, you know, I don't recommend people smoke, but fuck it. I, I, you know, in this situation, if you've been through trauma and you're going through a hard time, for me, cigar smoking really helped me. Because I went from being the most social person in the world to I couldn't, I didn't want to talk when, when, you know, after the death happened. I just wanted to stay quiet. And I did a lot of listening. Do you feel that a lot that, of listening, cigar smoking, uh, Sharon? And what kind of cigars? Because I collect, I collect cigar boxes. <laughs> I have some from Cuba. So I what's smoke. was there a particular kind? No, I smoke everything, man. I smoke so many different because I love. I love all. It's a, such a beautiful. It's not like people try to like you know equate cigar smoking to cigarette smoking. It's two different things. Oh no, totally different because you don't inhale. It's there's it's about it's something about the aroma and the about the taste the way yeah. That, that each cigar is completely different. Like someone rolled it with their hands. Like they put their heart into that. Like it's an amazing fucking experience, you know, and people don't know how to smoke. That's the problem. People try to smoke a cigar. They get sick. It's, you know, it's not, you, you, it's, it's a very slow, it's a lifestyle, man. So make the story short. I would go to these cigar lounges and, you know, there's something called the brother of the leaf, brotherhood of the leaf, B O T L. And for women, they say sister of the leaf. <clears throat> and the reason they use that terminology is that there's like this camaraderie, right? There's this unwritten rule, this brotherhood, this sisterhood of anyone that smokes cigars, that part of the cigar culture, the whole beauty of it, besides the fact you're holding this, you know, perfectly rolled piece of art that smells great, that tastes great. That someone literally handcrafted and, you know, put their heart into making it for you, right? Right. Is that the biggest part of this entire lifestyle is the connecting to other people. Because you sit down, you light a stick, as they say, you light a cigar up, and you're in this room. And, you know, on average, when I go to the cigar lounges that I go to, there's 10, 15, 20 people. Half the time, that will turn into a huge circle discussion where everyone's just talking about something and everyone's like taking their turn and commenting and it just goes back and forth. Sometimes the talks are serious. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're sad. It's so therapeutic to be a part of these cigar clubs, you know, and listen, you might join a couple of clubs where there's some fucking assholes, right? You got to, right. you got to find your tribe. I was but, about to say, yeah, it's your unspoken tribe. It's your tribe when you get there with the, the right people. Part, 
for the most part, the experiences I've had, and I've been to quite a few around the world, you know, cigar, like even when I went to San Antonio, guess what was if I went the first place I went to was the cigar lounge in my area. I sat down and those guys gave me the fucking lay of the land. This is how it works down here. And I'll never forget, it's a classic memory of San Antonio. I go, man, so how many of you motherfuckers are really on? There's like 10 guys in there, right? Right, they're right. All like, they all start flashing me, boom, boom, boom. Like each guy had like two guns on him. I'm like, you motherfuckers, man. No wonder you guys are so nice to each other now. <laughs> You're in Texas. What is that? What is that? Come and take fucking it. Fucking guy. This old man's like, oh, look at this. And he showed me his boot. He had a fucking nine millimeter strapped to his boot. Like, this is funny, man. So what I'm saying is that community that brotherhood that sisterhood of the cigar culture if you're going through a hard time and you know it can be very therapeutic for me i had become very antisocial at one point and getting back into that room getting back into that environment it really brought me out of my depression that it, was you you were mending you were mending with other humans that were just re helping you to repair yourself yeah if you're depressed and you're going through a hard time, I'm telling you right now, you need other people. You're not going to get through it by yourself. If you're in a deep, deep depression, you need to be around good people. Good you people. To be mm -hmm. around. You need to talk and talk until you get comfortable speaking again. And if you're someone that was an introvert, that may be hard, but you got to get out of it because if you stay isolated, you stay alone, you stay in that sorrow, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it and you should make it because so many people before you fought for you to be here. So many people before you bled, cried, buried their loved ones, went through things that we're going through, struggled, starved, you name it, just so you could be here, just so you could bring something. And the point is this, I don't care if you're 60 years old, 70 years old, and you're listening to this transmission. Some of the greatest things people do are in the last moments of their lives. If you've changed one person's life, you've already done something amazing. It doesn't matter if everyone knows about it. If you save one person, mm -hmm. your life was worth living. And that's what I did. And that's what I said to myself when I started the comeback team. So the name of the show was Beck Lover and the comeback team. And we tried to get at least one guest a week on. And yes, we've had some extraordinary guests and some interesting ones. And Yes, I love it. I'm going through your website. Dude, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, I took a pause this summer to film a documentary about the comeback team. And there's so much turmoil in my life between what's going on, the kids, you know. So, yeah, the studio's back up. I'm trying to decide whether I'm staying here. I'm trying to get down south. I don't know what the fuck is going on. So, for now, I'm just a brief little hiatus, but there's 85 episodes up. Second season will be launching soon. Well, don't but, stop. I mean, no, no, I don't, I don't think stop. you will. I mean, you made it to the top three percent in the world in our first year there's three million podcasts out there i mean it's you know it's, it's not easy you know what it's like but oh absolutely you got to keep you know, on i was censored also which hurt me tremendously and uh you know i was on brad lee's dropping bombs podcast and you know he posted one clip of of, of me and it got two million views in about three days Dude, I started following Bradley. This is how long I've been following him on Twitter when he had like 30 followers. This is like six years ago. <laughs> I yeah, love phenomenal. him. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Oh, he's, I, met uh, him, very... I met him through Grant Cardone is where I, I got introduced. And I was like, yeah, dropping bombs. I mean, you your show, your interview with him was, I watched it twice. It was so, I listened to it twice. So awesome. 
And we, and we need big, strong voices, even a female or male. We need that strong voice. And, and then when you have a strong voice and a strong message, you're going to do two things. You're going to lead and help. And you're also going to piss the wrong people off. Yeah, it is what it is. And so basically, I always said to myself, if I save one life, this show will be worth it. And I am, I'm, I'm happy to say, you know, I've gotten several emails, phone calls, text messages. Yo, Beck, I was a drug addict doing heroin. And I always listen to your show because I've had a lot of people who have recovered from that. One of them is Eric Castellano, right? And that, that's the biggest pandemic our country has right now. I don't care what anyone says. I can't tell you how many people I've lost because of heroin, you know? I just lost a family member not even four months ago because of that. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. The pandemic led to a lot of people relapsing. I lost a childhood friend about seven months ago. So they all relapsed. One of them was clean for 10 years. They found him dead in his apartment. So, you know, for me, you know, people hear the message. Every show ends with, you know, I don't care where you've been, what you've been through. I don't care how much you're hurting. I don't care how bad it may seem out there. As long as you have air in your lungs, you can always make a comeback. To let people know that no matter how bad it is right now where you are. And there's a lot of times I'm doing that show, Sharon, and I'm in a bad place. And I have trauma going on. And, mm-hmm. and just because you went through one bad thing in your life. Some people, their lives, the whole fucking existence is one problem after another. You know, we, we went through that with a psychopathic narcissist uh, accusations. And I, I won't go into it because I just won't go into it right now. But... Yeah, we we as people who have the podcast and we're trying to help others, people don't realize we've got our own shit show that we're dealing with. But you know, you you got to keep pushing. You got to sh- you got to keep pushing. That's what a warrior does. I mean, that's what a warrior does. And I I, I consider myself a warrior, just like you are, and and the people that you surround yourself with. I mean, sometimes we even feel like we can save the world, but we can't save ourselves. You know, so. Mm. Well, I'll leave you with this one quotable. Um, I had Dr. Romano Velasquez. You ought to have him on your show. Um, he he just wrote a new book, but he's a uh, neuro fight sports trainer. He fights. He fights. He trains um, the MMA fighters, UFC fighters, Tim Dirty Bird, and some other people that are that have been on HBO. But he has a quotable, and it says, "Nobody is born a warrior in exactly the same way that nobody is born an average man or woman." We make ourselves into one or the other. Man, that was deep. Dude, I can't thank you enough uh, for being here. And in, um, the glitches, I'll, we're going to smooth those all out. It's going to sound great. I'll have this up. And uh, one more time, where can people reach you? The Comeback Team altogether.com. The Comeback Team.com. You can also look me up on IG at B E K Lover. And you Google Beck Lover, you'll find me, B-E-K Lover. I'm all over the fucking place. Okay. And hey, when, when, when's your book? You got a book? Because, I mean, you you got stories. You should write a book. It's funny. You know, I really do need to re- – it's just funny because, like, these are all things on the top of my mind here. I've been getting called to a lot of speaking engagements. A lot of people are, like, literally booking me right now. It's, it's just crazy. Like, people want me to – I got a panel with dentists. I'm like, what the fuck you guys want me to talk to you about? They're like, we, you know – 
you know, our, our profession can be kind of dark and a lot of us get depressed and we're looking for some inspiration. So I'll come and fucking inspire you fucking rich motherfuckers. <laughs> you, I love you, it. Fucking recession proof. I mean, you can avoid the doctor and you just drop that because you don't realize what's wrong with you. But when your fucking teeth hurt, you'll sell your house to fix it. So like they're recession proof, those motherfuckers. Oh, so you guys God. are depressed, like you're not going out of business. Like, you know, so yeah. So for me, like I'm already, and I got to be honest with you, Sean. I don't even feel like I've gone 100% yet as far as what I'm working on now and what I can do. And I've been distracted with the pandemic a lot because I feel like humanity is in trouble. Like, I've kind of put my own work on hold because I'm just so upset about everything that's going on. And this is not the time to focus on the self. This is the time for us to focus on the hive, to focus on humanity. But you also have to take care of yourself because... No, I understand that. I understand. The problem is, you know... There's so many people not willing to fight. So we have to, we have to right now. We have to pay attention, but make the story short to start being paid pretty decent amounts of money, by the way, I haven't even written a book yet. And just because people like the message that I'm broadcasting for me, I've already in less than a year accomplished my dream. I don't care if I ever make it to the top. Like I have people that want to hear what I have to say. I'm helping people. And like you said, and you know, I know we, we got to go here soon. I got a, a message one day, and you know, and I use Clubhouse also, but I'm not on there a lot anymore because they started censoring me. So, but I had someone come on there. Dude, I'm on Clubhouse, and it, it yeah. You, what do you mean they censored you? Oh, they killed me. I had a room with forty thousand people in it in twenty four hours, and <gasps> discussing the pandemic, and they uh, they banned me. So I had a woman come in there because I used to host a room called "It Is Okay to Not Be Okay." And the comeback team is is on there, right? Like we have our own uh, club. If you look up the comeback team on Clubhouse, you'll find us. Okay. And um, I guess you know because people don't always participate; they just come in and listen, right? So you can either participate or just listen, right? Right, right. So like <clears throat> this woman comes in and she gets up and she you know she speaks, you know, because it's a digital platform, and she starts talking and she says, you know, I don't know how to say this to all of you, but I'm gonna say it. You know, I found out that I'm going blind right now and that I'm losing my eyesight. Oh, my goodness. And that very soon I will not be able to see anymore. And I'm only in my, my, you know, I think it was her late 30s or early 40s. Wow. So pretty, pretty young woman, right? With, 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 with young children, babies, okay? She goes, last night I contemplated committing suicide. And I was very serious about it. I got the pills that I needed all together. I sat down in the living room and for some reason I came into clubhouse and I saw this room last week and I came into your room and I heard what you were saying about no matter how bad it is, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've lost, you can always make a comeback. She goes, and I took the pills and I threw them in the garbage and I decided I was going to fight. And she started crying, you know, she was just crying and crying and crying. Yeah. It's emotional. She said, I just want to tell you that, you know, you're the reason I didn't kill myself last week. And for me, that, that was, uh, that was very, that, that's, that was, that's moving. You can't put a price on that. You can't yeah, I mean, put I mean, just, a, that right now. I mean, I mean, I, if you could see me right now, I mean, I'm literally, you know, it's just, uh, for me, if nothing else ever comes of this, nothing else ever happens, just knowing that one person, because of those efforts didn't give up yes for me it was all worth it and that's that's why i do it i don't do it for the money i don't make any fucking money 
I haven't even covered the expenses of my studio yet, and I've been doing it for over two years now. So, and you know, I was, I was, I was gonna, I'm gonna lean in and tell you something. I always was told, you know, you gotta, you know, you have to uh, monetize, monetize, monetize. And I've had some sponsors and this and that. And then you know what? To the podcast that I just had, like all the bullshit that I'm tired of. I'm like, you know what? No more commercials. There's going to be no more commercials on my podcast. I'm not, you know what? The, the way if you want to make money, go buy my books on Amazon. That's it. But it's not even a big deal. I don't even want to have that pressure of my poor audience. They're going to hear this long story, but then they got to hear these, you know, two minute, three minute commercials. I'm like, that's not what I'm about right now. I'm just kind of like, uh, I don't know if you know Andy Frisella. I love his podcast. I love, and he doesn't know, he does not do any, any commercials. So I just announced no more commercials, no more sponsorships for my podcast. It's free. It's completely free. I mean, I'm like you said, I just got a good, strong message. Yeah, man. You know, it's just, it is what it is, Sharon. And, you know, we have this platform and God willing, you know, censorship doesn't take over completely. So, yeah, I mean, that's, right. that's, that's how I want to wrap it up. Just if you're out there, you're going don't give up. Don't, don't ever stop. Well, Beck, I can't thank you enough. Uh, um, I'm just so glad we got to talk and, um, you know, I want you to continue to march on with your passion, with your journey, with your warriorship. And, and even when you're down, I want you to remember you have a friend over here in Houston, Texas, who's going to be in the back of your head telling you, you can do it, motherfucker. You can get up and you can do it. You've got, you've got so much goodness. I can feel it even just in our conversation. And so I just wish you and your family peace and love and health and, all the goodies, all the goodies that you deserve. Thanks for being on my show. My pleasure, Sharon, and I'll see y'all later. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at middlefingerhappiness at gmail.com. Take care. Peace out.